Coming to you from the mountain fortress of pop culture. You're listening to Time to Talk. Sushi roll. Well, Andrew McCaig was a very familiar face on Australian TV screens in the 80s and 90s. If you care to mention a big-time Australian soap, he was probably on it. Everything from The Sullivans, Sons and Daughters, Prisoner, and even The Paul Hogan Show. Later on, he appeared in the new wave of Australian soaps. Blue Healers, The Secret Life of Us, Neighbours, and of course, All Saints, which we're keen to talk to Andrew about today. These days, he's heavily into his passion for music, living in California. G'day, Andrew. Hey, Tim. How you doing? I'm really well. Thanks for getting on the show with us. You are truly, when I look back at the the little filmography or the TVography or whatever they call it these days, you were a stalwart of the industry back in the day, right? I had a bit of a purple patch, I must admit. Yeah, I was um, pretty busy for a while there, which was, um, you know, uh, which was fantastic. I absolutely loved it. It's funny you mentioned that list, and there's a few things that I completely forgotten about. So, oh, give really? me a little bit of an update. Yeah, because with some, you weren't a recurring character or weren't on it for you know long stretches at a time. But yeah, you were on all of those shows, and they they just are the people know them so well. They're so familiar to Australians. When I was doing Skyways, um, Tony Bonner, who um, obviously everyone in Australia knows, is a very very uh, famous Australian actor. Um, he gave me some advice and and said that it, it's depending on the show. He said try to be as um, as open to new roles as possible and don't try to be, you know, in one particular character for too long, you know, just uh, broaden your horizons and, and, and show your range, basically. So I did try to um, to play as many different characters as possible and um, there were a few times where I was offered um, a, a full-time or a regular cast member on a show but chose just to do a, a sort of a small guest appearance Um and then was able to move on to some uh, some other shows. So I think that um, that advice sort of uh, gave me uh, or set me well for uh, for a little while there. Yeah, and I guess that's true. In a smaller pool like Australian television, typecasting could be a dilemma, I'd imagine. So yeah, good advice by the sound of it. Indeed. Uh, I'm, Andrew, the other thing that is important to mention before we actually talk about All Saints is you provide the voice for one of the characters in the massively successful video game franchise, Halo. How on earth does that come about? And by the way, the name has the word, your name is something Dubbo, Dubbo Australian City um, in New South Wales. How did that all come about? Look, that's a very funny story. Um, Okay, so when I finished doing All Saints, I uh, came back to the States and... um, uh, had a few friends that I had previously met here that had weddings just within a couple of weeks of each other. So, <clears throat> excuse me, I came back to the States, went to the second um, wedding, which was in Colorado, uh, met this girl, uh, and we fell heavily for each other, and we ended up getting married. So I moved up to Seattle, where she was from, and um, Seattle's not a mecca for um, a lot of acting that goes on. However, there were a few casting agencies and a few little bits and pieces that were going on. And one of the things was that uh, Microsoft, obviously, um, which is uh, originated in Seattle, they had a, a very, very good studio, and Microsoft had purchased the company that put Halo together. 
So I was actually uh, asked to come in and audition for one of the, the voices of Halo when I was up in Seattle. And it was in its infancy then. They were really just trying to work out how to actually do this whole thing. And they'd give you a script, but then say you could ad lib as much as possible within the context of the storyline and all that sort of stuff. And um, this character didn't actually even have a name at the time. So I, I tried to think of something that was, you know, quintessential Australia. And, and I thought of, <laughs> first of all, Chips Rafferty, who um, many people <laughs> might remember back in the 50s, was one of the first Australians to come over to Hollywood and actually do some, some work. So I got Chips uh, from Chips Rafferty, and I just thought of the quintessential um, Australian country town. I just came up with Chips Dubbo. I love it, and I'm sure that anyone around the world, what's Dubbo? Because it's such a. Besides, if you if you're not Australian, that is not a familiar name. Yeah, well, exactly. And I, I, I wanted to make it just a little bit uh, unusual. I love it. It's so good. And and does that like is it ongoing work for you? The the Halo series, or the Halo. Oh, look, character? no, I don't have to work anymore. I did four of them: Halo one through four, then ODS, and of course, you know, out of that because it was so extraordinarily powerful, I've just retired. No, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it, I, I got a studio fee for that, and of course, within 24 hours of it selling, I think it made over 200 million dollars in the first 24 hours. And I, I think I pulled in 125 dollars for that one. Um, what? No, it, it was a little bit more. But um, it, we, there were, over here in the states, of course, you do have royalties, but this is considered at the time a new media, so there were no royalties or, or follow-up. Oh, no, Andrew. Yes, yeah, terrible. I know. It's I still one of have those to work things, for a living, Tim. <laughs> you still have to work, damn it, damn it. I've got to admit, the accent, Andrew, very different from when you were on All Saints and, and some of those soaps that we mentioned before. Yeah, I would, look, it's funny. A, a few friends of mine have actually said to me, you know, you should come back and maybe sort of, you know, get back into acting in Australia. And I'm thinking to myself that I, I find it tough doing an American accent, but then I think there are certain things and certain nuances now that I've picked up that make it tough to be – G'day, mate. How you going? You know, it's uh, yeah. When when they asked me to to do the voice, they wanted me to do a real, um, basically a cross between a Paul Hogan and um, a, a crocodile hunter. Um, oh no! So it, there was actually some people that that thought I was um, an American just doing an Australian accent <laughs> uh, because it was kind of over the top, and because it's got all this you know war noises and explosions and stuff, you had to do it at a, a particular level. So you'd walk into the studio and you'd be speaking quite fine, but then after four hours you'd come out and you'd be hoarse like this from yelling. So it was kind of funny. Wow. I have to say, you walk around this planet telling people you were part of a Halo franchise, everyone's going to assume you're rich. That's a shame. That's it's a shame. funny, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Looking back at All Saints in its early days, Andrew, I love how rough around the edges it felt. It was a little more raw than the soaps that had come before it. The characters were feisty. They used language that was believable because in soaps before that, they you know often said things that were very dramatic and perfect for the show. But, yeah, we don't really talk like that. What did it feel like to be on the set of a project that was really aiming to push some boundaries? I was just, it was a pleasure for me to be on set. I absolutely had one of the best times of my life working on that show. Um, I was living up in Sydney at the time where it was shot, of course, and, and that was a nice change from, from Melbourne for a while. But I, um, it, it, every day was just uh, fantastic. I couldn't wait to go to work. It was one of those sort of shows. It was wonderful. The characters, the people, uh, everything was just great about that. 
you could tell that this was something new and novel. There was a there was an energy to it. Is that true behind the scenes as well? It came across through the TV screen. Was oh, that look, what was going on behind? Joe Porter, one of the producers, I mean, uh, is continuing to to um, produce some fantastic shows. Um, she was uh, just fabulous on that. We had great directors. We had uh, great writing. I mean, the writing on some of those episodes was just fantastic. As you mentioned before, the, the dialogue was a little different. Um, it, I think you've got to give you know credit right across the board. It can't just be to the uh, the people up in front of the camera, but all all the uh, behind the scenes people uh, just just fabulous. Yeah. Can you give us a feel about that ensemble cast? I mean, there were some really big names in there, but they were mixed with some newbies who have gone on to become big names in their own right. Did the cast gel, and was it tight knit? No, was it was, it was really tight knit. Yeah, um, uh, there were there were great friendships formed. Um, there really were, uh, and I'm still in touch with a number of the um, folks via Facebook um, over the years. Um, and uh, it, it was one of those things. I haven't spoken to many of the people, but uh, there's a few that I'm still in touch with. But it was it was great. There, there was a real camaraderie and a real um, sense of uh, sense of pride in what we were doing. So um, you know, it, it made you really sort of try to lift the the, the bar just a little little higher. I was talking to another person who acted on the show and they said that it was really hard to tell that um, if this was going to be successful once it hit the air because filming started, uh, you know, well before it aired and was promoted and premiered and all of that sort of stuff. Did you get a feeling that you were onto a winner here? I think in the first, I I, I guess looking back, yes, I think it probably was. Um, I knew that there was, it may be because I was feeling good about what I was doing and, and feeling good about the company that was, was you know, uh, I was surrounded with. I guess you've got to have that sort of little optimistic. I don't think anyone really imagined it would be as successful. But it went on for nine years or something, I think, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, it had 12 seasons, I think. 12 se- Wow, yeah. Oh. See, I think there was a sense that this was something that was uh, pretty special at the start, yeah. And not to diminish all those shows we mentioned before, because I love them all, but the acting here, it was really good, wasn't it? I mean, I, I've heard it was quite fast-paced in terms of the way it was shot. There wasn't much time once you were on the set. The scenes were shot and they were done and they were in the can, so to speak. But the acting was really good. Well, um, thank you. I'll take that as a compliment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, again, I think, you know, when you've got a, a great camaraderie and, and you feel like you're sort of achieving something good I think you want to sort of put your level higher so you know it all comes down to the writing and also the preparation um so when you came onto set you know you you knew exactly what you were wanting to do and the directors which I thought was fantastic gave you a great um length of rope if you will to to expand and come up with ideas of your own. It wasn't so regimented that they said, okay, no, this is how I want it. This is a shot, block it here, walk here, say the line. They gave you a great deal of freedom, which was which was wonderful. And, and um, that in itself, I think, really helped. Yeah, and I don't know the first thing about acting, and no one would ever let me near the craft, but I have to say I've been told on numerous occasions that if you're standing opposite somebody that is also highly skilled in their craft, then that just makes it so much better. So if you, like you say, if the ensemble was as strong as it was, that must have added to it. Can we look at your character? Practically all in one series, a little bit into season two. Uh, let's face it, this is soap. He loses his ca- uh, wife in a car accident. He starts getting closer to Terry, and then uh, who's a nun. And mm-hmm. right at the beginning of season two, he's shot at close range. He ends up severely disabled. And by episode 12, he's fairly much fully recovered from that. 
but he resigns from All Saints and he just leaves in a puff of smoke. Gone. See you later. Thanks a lot. It was fun. <laughs> yeah. It's an amazing story. <laughs> you were there you for <laughs> a short time, but it was a heavy ride. Oh, look, it was great. Um, yeah, and, and it, it, it gave me a stretch. There were some moments in there that, um, you know, looking back at it now, um, that, that sequence after sort of trying to recover from a gunshot to the head, um, I had to go to the hospital and actually observe uh, a lot of stroke patients just to sort of um, get an idea and a sense of what sort of disabilities uh, I had to sort of deal with. Um, mm. And it was, it was very interesting. So, uh, yeah, there was a lot to sort of take in at the time. Um, but, again, that was, that was so much fun to do. It was really uh, something I enjoyed. Now, as a viewer, I'm not going to lie. I was actually really upset that they left your character languishing with a disability for so long. But this is the absolute truth. You, you played that really well, Andrew. I can't imagine that would be particularly easy to play because he was, I don't know if he technically had a stroke, but it was very similar to a stroke. One part of his body was paralyzed for a period of time. Like, how was that to, to act? Because as far as I can see in your um, TV career, you'd never done anything like that before. Was it difficult to act that part? It, it, look, it was different for me, certainly, and, and um, you know, if, if I tried to go in there cold uh, without doing any research, it probably would have been a, a completely different um, end game there. Um, it, it was difficult, yeah, I'm not going to lie about that. It, it was something that um, I had to really work at and, and consciously, you know, think about. But, um, again, that's the creative process. That's what sort of, you know, uh, you want to do as an actor, be as creative as you can and, and be as truthful to the character as you possibly can. So... Um, it took some practice, uh, but I, I was, you know, was happy the way it worked out. Now, this is not a commentary on your acting, but I've been told, and you can correct this story if it's wrong, that focus groups were not responding to the character that you were playing, and that was uh, part of the rationale for why he didn't continue on. They needed somebody else for Terry to fall in love with, which was inevitable. She was going to get together with somebody and, and leave the nunnery and all of that sort of stuff. Describe your character for us. Well, the, the, what happened to me in that particular situation and what I was told at the time was that they had written me or written my character into a bit of a corner and they couldn't work out where it was going to go from there on. And that's kind of why they sort of uh, finished that arc for, um, for my character. Um, I, I was disappointed at the time because for me, I was, um, I was really enjoying the show and enjoying the work. But that's what I was told. So I guess if they did the focus groups and, and um, you know, found out that maybe people weren't reacting to me as much as maybe they would have liked, I guess that's probably the reason why. But that's what I was told. A bit of a correction too, Andrew. I apologise. Not re responding well to your character, but responding to the relationship. The relationship. Yeah, yeah. Yes. No, that's right. yeah. yeah. I was very happy with the way that the, the, uh, the show was evolving for me. And for the Huh? You kissed, I'm sure. We did. <laughs> that was all a dream sequence. It was quite funny. Uh -huh. um, yeah, we, we did. And it was, it was hysterical uh -huh. leading up to that too because we, we ducked into a supply closet and, um, and we stole a kiss in the, uh, in the, the story. Um, and leading up to that, knowing that was happening, I was, um, I was giving uh, 
Terry's character, or ter- sorry, the character Terry, um, uh, a bit of a rev up saying how big and deep and long the kiss was going to be, and she was getting very scared. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, no. I-, I forgot it was a dream. That's disappointing even for me to realise. I-, I had a f- just have it in my memory that, yeah, they almost got together, they kissed, but, yeah, I think you're right. It was in a dream sequence. In a dream sequence, yeah. Oh, no. I've got to say, your character was um, considered one of the, the young guns, I suppose, challenging the old establishment of medical knowledge. There's there's an episode there, I think the quote that I took out was, um, you were talking to this old-fashioned doctor who was in hospital himself for some reason, which they often ended up, I've noticed in All Saints, many of, them, many of the staff ended up in their own hospital at some stage. And I think your character said to him, patients don't take orders anymore, they make informed decisions. I, I think I remember that sequence. Yeah, it was it was early on. One of the um, uh, the other doctors who I sort of was at um, butting heads with, I guess is the best yeah. way to put it, ends up having a heart attack or something and was in in hospital as a patient. Yeah, um, it, <laughs> it's I, it, you know what you're actually putting my um, grey matter to the test now. Thinking back that far, it's been quite a ways. <laughs> But isn't it a testament to a show like All Saints? Like we're talking about All Saints today, but I mean others like Prisoner too, they they have a legacy that goes on. But some of them just stick out and particularly because of the catch-up services now where they're boldly and courageously, quite frankly, the networks are putting that as content for people to feed through. My children have found All Saints now and that's really how we started. And my goodness, if I'd known it was going to go on for this long, it's been a year and we're still not even halfway through it, I think. Oh, is that right? Wow. (laughs) It's a a long series. But how does it feel that people are still watching that? I mean, it still captures people's imagination, which means it must have been a good show because it stands the test of time. Well, that's 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 cool. Yeah, I I, I agree. Um, if if that's still being showed and people are still getting enjoyment from it, then I think you know the work that we did back then obviously is uh, is still holding true. I think that's great. The show brought health issues to the fore too, and they just seemed more and more as the series went on, boldly tackling every storyline known to man. There was nothing taboo. It seemed. Was there a particular storyline that you were really proud of, or that possibly surprised you? Well, there was one with. Um, uh, Kim Wilson, uh, she came on as a guest, mm-hmm. and uh, my character as a psychiatrist um, was trying to deal with her um, obsessions and her eating disorders, and um, I was trying to work out through that particular uh, storyline. That one sticks out in my mind as, as one that was uh, something very foreign to me, but a, a great storyline that they actually put into the show. Sadly, my wife in the show dies in a car accident, and... Um, I was apparently supposed to meet my wife at a certain time, but yep. this gal, Kim Wilson's character, uh, contacts me and needed me terribly to talk about something through. So then I spent time talking to her and wasn't with my wife and she ended up dying. So I ended up blaming this girl and her obsession for the death of my wife because I should have been there. So it was, it was an interesting sort of twist that they threw in there as well. It really was, and it went to the core of your character being as dedicated as he was. I also remember distinctly, I'm sure you were wearing a very bright Hawaiian shirt because people had been saying, you need to take a break, you need to focus on your marriage, you're ignoring your wife, you're just about to go, and you're even still working in your Hawaiian shirt from memory. And (laughs) yeah, there you go. It never happened. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. (laughs) I remember that scene now. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. 
Terry was a nun. You were married with kids. Surely that was going to be wrong if you did get together. Like it was going to be tricky for them to negotiate that storyline, wasn't it? Yeah, they sort of. And, and again, you know, that they they mentioned they sort of wrote my character into a bit of a corner. And and when you mm. put it that way, yeah, that is a bit of a hard corner to get out of, isn't it? <laughs> I suppose they did it with another character, though. Did you did you watch the show after you left it, and particularly that storyline with Mitch? Or, but was there any resentment about the fact that they brought in another character essentially to replace yours? Oh gosh, not at all. Um, and to answer your first question, no, I, I have rarely seen, um, or, or I haven't seen the show uh, really since I had left because. For one reason, I was over here in the states, and um, and you know I didn't didn't do the didn't have it over here available to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's absolutely no resentment whatsoever. Um, no, Mitch, uh, I've met him once or twice. Great guy. Uh, I've seen his work. He's a great actor, and uh, yeah, no no animosity at all. And it was. It was a great Australian soap opera love affair that, that went on to bloom. I, I hate asking this question, because, but the fans insist that I do. They honestly do. What was it like working with Georgie Parker? It's one that you can't avoid. Well, you, you can't avoid that. I mean, fascinated you, and they adore her. I was um, so fortunate that, um, that I was able to work with her. She, she's a lovely, lovely woman, a fantastic actor, very dedicated to her craft. We... we would you know uh, work through scenes together and um, yeah, she's she, look, she's a professional you know she's fabulous. Wonder what it is that some people just have that they resonate with an audience so much because yeah it's just uh, something cool and collected about her acting or maybe the character I'm not sure. She's but, been yeah. what, doing shows now for oh, goodness she was on was it, is it country, country practice country practice that's right I mean and she became very popular there um, but uh, she's been acting for what. 30 plus 40 years now. Do you mind me saying this about your character too? Like, <laughs> you can say anything about my character you like, Tim. That's fine. No yeah, problem. It's, right, uh, he was a psychiatrist. And just throughout watching season one and the beginning of season two, he seemed to have almost practically no skills in de-escalating a situation. Considering <laughs> he was a psychiatrist, I saw that as problematic. Uh, very confrontational and argumentative and self-righteous. <laughs> I thought, you're a psychiatrist. Can you de-escalate? Can you actually walk in someone else's shoes just for one moment? See, there you go. Now, if I only had your um, influence <laughs> when I was doing the show, maybe I'd oh, still be doing it now. So <laughs> That's not you. That was the writing. I blame the writing, not the actor. You were doing the lines. I mean, I really, I related to the guy. He was a likable guy, but I just, every time he went into a situation, I thought, wow, you're, you're butting heads. You're never healing. Come on. There you go. So um, that's a, a good point. Um, I don't know what else to say about that, really. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I felt Maybe terrible about it. a couple of scripts and put in another audition and see what happens. <laughs> oh, what the viewers always seem to think they know what's best, don't they? And I'm just one of those <laughs> couch, what do they call them? Couch critics or whatever they call potatoes? <laughs> Not yeah, a couch exactly. potato, couch critic. There you go. Yeah, that's it. Pay no attention to me. Off the show, um, it had some controversies as well. There was one cast member that I think you worked with, Martin Lyons, who was um, charged and actually went to prison. There's news like that after you leave a show, uh, news like of that nature. Does it come as a shock? Look, that came as a huge shock to me. Um, and uh, when I was saying earlier on that I, I keep in touch with some people, uh, Marty is one of the guys that I do keep in touch with. Um, it, I hadn't seen or hadn't spoken to him for a while. And like I said, we just were messaging through Facebook. Um, and I saw him back on Facebook and I said, Hey, Marty, haven't seen you for a while. What's going on? And he let me know that he'd just, um, been in jail. And I was, I was just 
gobsmacked. I thought, oh my gosh, no, how that? So he explained to me what happened. Um, and yeah, it was, it was upsetting, but uh, you know, you've got to, it, it happened and, and that's what it is, you know? And, and I, I think very much uh, about the, um, the situation. Um, but I was, I was upset for him, but um, it, it, yeah, it was a, a big surprise when I heard. You know, and acting's no different from anything else. So if you work with a, a particular group of colleagues and then your life goes in a different direction, when you hear about what happened to your colleagues of the past, I mean, it just, yeah, it can come as a shock or a surprise. But, yeah, it's, it's one of those things, isn't it? Um, what are you doing these days, Andrew? Look, I, I have, a, a, I think, a very charmed life at the moment. Uh, I'm doing – I've got a little business here. Um, I, I manage some properties. I have a little handyman uh, maintenance business. I've always been handy with my hands and carpentry. And, in fact, before I even went to acting school years ago, I'd actually signed up in, um, in Swinburne College uh, in Melbourne to, uh, to get a carpentry degree. So oh, wow. um, that's something I've always liked to do. Um, and I've got uh, some fantastic clients uh, in, in this area that keep me busy. And every day is a different day, which is wonderful. Um, so that's what I do sort of basically for, um, uh, for work. But I also have a, a, a band here that um, I play with, uh, a little band called the Whiskey Hillbillies. And, um, of course, with COVID here, uh, things have all shut down. But we still do live streams every once in a while, which is great. I play uh, guitar. Um, there are four of us, another Australian, as a matter of fact, in the band as well, uh, Pete Weston-Smith from Queensland. We just happened to meet over here in California. Pete plays guitar. He writes, he sings, he plays harmonica. Uh, Steve Doucet, bass player, guitarist and trumpet player. Dan Coolhand-Lucas is our drummer. And, um, and I've since taken up the banjo and mandolin, so I play guitar, banjo and mandolin now in the band as well. So... We're having a blast. And it doesn't seem like no amateur band to me. I've seen you guys on YouTube and Facebook and all over the place. It's really good stuff. Very well, country. We, and you, you even wear the country hat there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, if you're going to go all in, you've got to go all in, don't you? You can't just sort of do it half cock. Um, so we decided early on that we were going to be a, a hat band. And we actually sort of, we're not so much country, but we call ourselves Americana. Uh-huh. But because we've got two Australians in the band, we say it's Americana with an Australian accent. But you had some success in Tamworth too, didn't you? Oh, yeah, I did. That was one of the best times ever. I mean, if you've never been to Tamworth during the Tamworth Country Festival, you have got to go. It is just there is so much talent around there and it is one of the uh, funnest times to, to be. Uh, and it was fantastic. I was there with my band at the time called The Fine Line. Um, and we, gosh, we played 10 gigs in, I think, seven days, um, and it was just a joy. Gee, it was fun. It was just a great, great time. Anyone who hasn't been to Tamworth, make sure you get out there and, and go to that music festival too, because even if you're not a particular fan of country music, the town needs your support, and it is fantastic atmosphere, one that you can't replicate anywhere else, especially in the city, I've got to say. Yeah, hey, Andrew, it's been awesome listening to you um, revisit some of those memories that you helped create um, back in the day on All Saints and those other shows as well. Tim, it's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for, uh, for reaching out and uh, it, 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 I've enjoyed this greatly. Thank you.